Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. You can do anything as long as you have the passion, the drive, the focus, and the support. That's a quote by Sabrina Bryan. So I want to thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of The Profitable Photographer. As always, I'm Lucy Dumas, and I am super excited to share today's guest with you. Before I introduce Aaron, I have a big announcement. I've officially changed the name of my business from Insight Training to The Profitable Photographer. You can find out more about my coaching, send an email to learn more about my services, or hire me as a speaker by going to theprofitablephotog.com. And also, I would love for you to join my Facebook community. It's a private group called The Profitable Photographer, and then I also have a page called The Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. So, woohoo! Yay! <laughs> I'm excited. So now I want to introduce the amazing, honestly, ask anyone who knows her, Erin Bonilla. She's a wife of a military officer, the mother of four children, including a small one <laughs> and some medium ones. And she's a PPA certified professional photographer. And did I say award-winning? Very award-winning. She's on her way to get her master's. Her business, Bonilla Pet Studios, has grossed over half a million in less than three years. So welcome, my friend, Erin. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah. So first off, I would love to hear about your journey as a photographer, how you started, and then how you created one of the fastest growing portrait studios in the U.S. or the whole world, as far as I know. Okay, so I was just like all of your other annoying friends on Facebook, and I got a kit camera from Sam's Club in 2014. And I asked my friends on Facebook for models so I could practice. Now, of course, I've actually been a photographer since I was old enough to hold a camera. Both my parents are professional photographers and they taught me a lot. So I wasn't a total newbie. I asked my friends to be models and one of my friends said, well, you can take pictures of my guinea pigs. And it turned out that she actually had 160 guinea pigs. Can you believe that, Lucy? I had 100. no idea. 160 guinea pigs. Yes, she did. Wow. Yes, because did you know that they actually have guinea pig and rabbit shows just like they have dog shows? Whoa. Yeah, they put the little guinea pigs up on pedestals and they check their <laughs> hair and there's judging, there's ribbons. You know, it's a very serious. I'm surprised they have not made a reality show about this. So I was just like, okay. And, you know, I always loved studio photography. I like to be able to really control the light, control everything that I can and to work with props and backgrounds. So I very quickly, after I got my first DSLR, I got a softbox and speed lights and backgrounds. And so she would bring the guinea pigs to my house 
And we would create scenarios like, for example, we would put them in flower pots. We'd clip little flowers to the back of their heads and put moss around the bottom of the pots. And we called it Guinea Garden. And we <laughs> just did it for fun. It was a blast. So every weekend we would do that. We would go to the craft store and get inspiration for creating these different arrangements. And I didn't just work with guinea pigs. She also brought over rabbits, hedgehogs, frogs, <laughs> birds, dogs, cats. I don't know, a lot, a lot of other things. So that's how I started and it was fun. But if you fast forward a couple of years, I moved away from her. I moved away from that area and I wanted to start a business in photography. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So anytime I could make something that I felt people would buy, I would try to sell it. And photography was no different for me in that way. But at that time I was just doing everything. I would do, you know, real estate photography, drone photography, engagements, weddings, even, you know, mm -hmm. very small, very small weddings. So even though you were doing this fun stuff on the side, as you decided to officially start a business, you started doing a little bit of what most people, you know, specializing in everything, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of started with moving because my realtor, he had a need for real estate photography. I told him like, I can definitely do that. And so I learned how to do it. I bought a wide angle lens and I started doing a lot of his listings and then he would refer me to other people. And then I would also just pick up whatever kind of job I could get paid to do events, portraits off of Thumbtack mostly. So then how did you decide to specialize in pet photography? I just thought that it would be a great market. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> So I, I really didn't have a vision for where I was going as a professional or what the future was going to hold for me. And I was on Facebook one day and I stumbled across this lady who said that she was a natural light photographer and that her images were beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I bet her images are crap. I clicked on her picture and it turns out that her work was actually amazing. And her name was Lucy Dumas. And I found out that you offered mentoring and that it lit a light bulb above my head. That's what I need. I need somebody who has experience in this field, who has made a career out of it. And it can look at my overall situation and tailor a program just for me to help me to get to where I want to go. So I reached out to you and started working with you as my mentor. And you asked me in the very beginning, you said, if you had to pick one kind of photography that you would specialize in and the income would be the same, no matter what you chose, what kind of photography would you do? And I, I'm pretty sure I said it right away. I said, well, I would work with animals all day long because that's the most fun. I love doing that, but there's no market for that. Like people who have six cats and two dogs at home are not online Googling 
for a photographer to photograph their cats. <laughs> they just don't know that they can get that, mm-hmm. you know, com- compared to when you get married, everybody is pretty much familiar with engagement portraits and a wedding photographer, a newborn photographer, you know, first year cake smashes even all the way up to senior photography are all genres that are well known in our society, whereas pet photography is not so much. Right. I think it was four months before you stopped saying, Lucy, I think you're crazy. This isn't going to (laughs) work. Right. I I remember I was very hard to convince. And your husband too. Both of you were like, nobody's going to pay thousands of dollars. But I had, especially because you were already doing these most amazing photographs of animals. And because I knew it was your passion you know, my spidey sense <laughs> was that this was going to be great for you. So I'm sure the listeners can tell how stinking proud I am <laughs> of what she's created. I love having an idea and not having to do anything and <laughs> watch it unfold. <laughs> so um, share about the Animalia thing. That was a really fun. Oh my gosh, that gave me some spidey senses. That gave me tingles all over. I mean, that was like the creepiest, coolest thing ever. So when we were working on creating my brand, one of the exercises that you had me do was to close my eyes and to think back to my earliest memories. And I guess this is sort of a way of tapping into your subconscious. Mm-hmm. And you asked me what was my favorite smell, what was my favorite music, what was my favorite books, and it clicked, it dawned on me. My favorite book growing up was a book called The Eleventh Hour by Graham Bass. I think that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I had been recreating the images from the book. So I'm a huge fan of a still life photographer from Australia named Kevin Best. He makes the most amazing old Dutch master style still life photographs. They're absolutely beautiful. And I love them. So I wanted to learn how to create photographs like that. So I was studying still life. But all of my compositions that I would make tended to be pretty busy. They had like a lot of objects in them. A lot of color. A lot of color. I would look at the composition and it would just look like there was a hole and I would have to put something, like I'd have to put some sort of object there. And so everything tended to have a lot of objects. And then I had the idea, what if I hid the guinea pigs in the composition? So every time you would see one of my still life images, you would know you needed to look and see where the animal was. So I I think that what that illustrates is that art comes from somewhere. Our preferences, you know, most people don't have that kind of awareness of why they love certain things. You know, I love, I love French things. Now, I don't know, was it because I watched Pepe Le Pew as a kid or (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) but the more we expose ourselves to art of all kinds, our whole creative brain grows and grows and grows. So I love that story. It was really crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you have also taught your marketing technique that has been really successful, which is to be a vendor at shows, art shows, pet shows, 
I think I heard you even did a tattoo show. And this is something that you are teaching photographers. So tell us how this works and three important things to do to make this successful. Okay. So a little bit of a backstory. If you remember, I was creating those artistic images with Heather with the animals, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I needed to find a place where I could sell those. So I know that people sell art at art shows. So I got interested in having a booth at art shows. That's how I ended up at my first show, the Ocean View Art Show in Norfolk, Virginia um, in 2016. And I was already working with you at that time. Actually, it was my second year being there. That's right. It was my second year. And you had recommended to me that I do a contest for the people who are at the show where they could enter to win a portrait of their pet. And that's how it all started because I got a number of good clients from just that show. And so I have now developed that into, we do about 12 shows a year or more. And sometimes we're doing two shows simultaneously. So the types of shows that we go to now are mostly as many pet related shows as I can be at home shows. And yes, we have attended the tattoo festival a few times. So for me, that works because it's similar to being at a bridal show. If you're a wedding photographer or, you know, a children and family show, if you're a newborn photographer, because I know my demographic and knowing the demographic of your clients is going to help you determine which shows to be at and which ones not to go to. So that's what we do. And it's a great way to get out into the community and to meet people face to face because in a sea of photographers, you at a show are the one who is a live person. You are the one who is there in front of their face, shaking their hands and answering their questions. Everyone else is just a Facebook name in the computer. So, and then they can see the work that you create in person and they can be wowed by it. Mm -hmm. So, and the key to this is getting their information. You cannot just hand out your information to them and expect that anything is going to happen. So how does the drawing work? Well, I do a couple of different promotions at shows, but one of them that I've done and the one that I've done the longest is the enter to win. And um, people love a contest. So they love a drawing where they can win a prize. So what we do is we have a few signs. It just says enter to win. What I do is I have a monetary amount. So it would say enter to win a $1,250 pet portrait experience. And that actually serves two purposes. First, it gets people excited because that's a pretty good amount of money. Mm -hmm. And second, it shows people that spending $1,250 on this is something that happens. Smart. And I never say that that is equal to a certain size portrait. I always emphasize that it is an artwork credit to be spent or to be used on whatever type of artwork they would like to have. 
unless they say, well, what can you get with that amount? Then of course I will directly answer that question, but I never bring it up myself unless directly asked. So what would happen if they wanted $1,200 worth of five by sevens? They would only get like six of them. <laughs> okay. Cause my, when I'm teaching this, I suggest, you know, I really love the idea of the science saying $1,200 at the same time, I think, but you now have so much more experience than I do. So, you know, this is just a, looking at different ways to do it. My feeling is for the grand prize winner to have a specific size so that then I can be sure that they have potential to buy more prints. Whereas my concern, if they see it as a, as a print credit of that amount, that that particular winner, you know, that it may limit the upsell on that. Are you finding that, that the person that wins that grand prize still orders well? I see what you mean, but we do place a lot of emphasis on the importance and the benefit of large wall art pieces. And I do emphasize that we are known for creating a wall art pieces. And I tell them, you know, how the size of the portrait impacts the viewer so we place a lot of emphasis on that. And also our sales process is designed to help sell the largest wall art piece that we can first. So I don't, I think I've only ever had one person who ordered multiple small prints. I mean, but I've only created what, 350 portraits in my entire career. So I'm sure that there'll probably be more in the future. But to be honest, the grand prize winner almost never I'm not almost never, but the grand prize winner often does not redeem their prize. Did you know that? I, I would have guessed that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so explain to the listener how then you've built this half a million dollar empire. Empire. <laughs> with, <laughs> with a world domination. Oh, empire um, <laughs> with with the drawings so what about the other people that enter what happens to them okay so we call every single person who enters everyone and what it is is a system it is a system for the show that creates the leads you know the, it that draws the people in and then it's a system for what we do with those leads after the show, as far as importing them into our software. And then it is a system for Shelby who calls the, the leads and a, a very well-written script that is designed to use the entry form to prompt the conversation and close for the consultation appointment. And we call every single person and we put them through that system, the same steps every single time. So it sounds like they're all winners. So tell them what they won, Bob. <laughs> well, if you come on down, I will tell you. So they've won a session and a $200 artwork credit. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I've done it a few different ways. Um, I have tried it with just having them win the session only. Because I figured that the people who really want to do it, they're going to come in. So why am I giving away that credit? But with the $200 artwork credit, they can get an 8x10 with that. 
And I think that it is important that if I am going to tell them that they won a prize, that at the end of it, if they spend no money at all, they actually can have something tangible. Yes. I love how you've taken some of the suggestions that I've made on how to do this and then tested it to see if it works better in your circumstance because you get so many leads. And so it's very enlightening to hear that, yes, you're getting better results and more people coming in. Is that what you're saying? Because they actually get something. No, it's actually more about my reputation and my brand. Got it. Because every time I do a contest on a large scale and I'm getting hundreds of leads from it, I have people who accuse me of being a scam. Right. And if I did not at least have them be able to walk away with something, then I would sort of see where they were coming from, where they didn't, quote, really win anything, quote. So in case I haven't ever given you this term, Erin, and for my listeners, I call it a try before you buy. If I ever get somebody coming in saying, oh, this is a lost lead or you know a scam or something, I just say, this is a try before you buy. No obligation. You don't have to buy more. I'm just going to try to make it really hard for you not to decorate your whole house with portraits. And it seems to be like adding a little cool water over a little hot <laughs> coals. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, I don't, I've even told people that it is a loss leader and I've explained to them what a loss leader is because I don't think that there's anything wrong with a loss leader. It is marketing. I am a business and I'm trying to get new clients and that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yep. So what's on the, what's on the entry form? Are there some things that help you pre-qualify or help? grow the business? The entry form at the show, it asks them all their basic contact information, including the zip code and their full address. Um, That can help because we like to sometimes mail things out to people. And then it just asks them some questions about their household and the number of pets they have and things like that. Um, Also, maybe where in their home they'd like to display a portrait. And actually, Lucy, you are the one who told me to put that one on there. Why do you think that that's important, Lucy, to have that on the entry form? Well, I'm all about planting seeds. And so for them to stop and be looking at your beautiful, large portraits, and then imagining one of their beloved pet in their home, then it starts to set up like the want and the fear of loss if they don't have it. That's one part. And the other is it gives a little pre-qualification because if they said, you know, on a tabletop, I don't like big pictures or something, I may not put them to the top of the stack in, you know, making those phone calls. So it's a pre-qualifier and it's a seed planter at the same time. Yeah. And over the last uh, few years of doing this with the entry forms, I've noticed a few things that people say that are indicators of how qualified they are. For example, if somebody says in that answer everywhere, that's usually a really good sign. Like it sounds sort of corny, right? Like, oh yeah, sure. Of course. Like they're going to spend $12,000. They're going to put, 
you know, the picture is everywhere, right? But what it really means is that what they're thinking about is how much they really want to do this and how much they would really love to have pictures of their pet. And that's why they say everywhere. Now, on the flip side, if somebody says wall, <laughs> then that's is a pretty bad sign that they don't really care for the question. Right. So one of the things that I recommend is that you ask people to refer you to other businesses they love that are independently owned, because it's a great way to then break through some of that. How do you contact a vet, a dog walker, a florist, you know, whatever industry, because you can call and say, Hey, Susie Jones recommended you. And I love to refer other people who are serving pets at a high level. I'd love to learn more about your business. So it, it makes a warm call out of a really awkward kind of like, hi, I'm a photographer. Can we work together? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great idea, Lucy. I really need to put that back on my form. And one thing I, I found when I was doing that before is I had it say, what is your favorite small pet business? Yes. And people were so confused about that because they're like, what do you mean? Like for small pets? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I suggest putting like in, in brackets, vets, dog walker, et cetera, or somehow, yeah, wording it so that it's not for small pets, but and independently owned or something like that. Yep. And actually that worked out very well for me in the beginning because a lot of people would write down great neck doggy daycare, which is pretty close to me. And that's how I found out how popular that place was and ended up creating a very nice business relationship with the owner of that company because of that. Right. So that works. It works. Really well. I'm glad. Again, I have an idea. I share it with somebody and then they go do the work and it works. <laughs> And you get paid. Yeah. And you get paid for that. Yeah. No. Well, I recently somebody gave me a term that I was like, oh, that's it. She said, there's the gift of ideology. And, you know, that is uh, something that, you know, when I'm not just working with friends, but having coffee with someone and they give me a challenge, my brain comes up with ideas. And so, yeah, it's fun when people actually do them and they work. So, I know you also set your booth up where it's strongly branded and I've watched you post uh, your different iterations. So tell me about how you set up your booth to make it the most inviting. Well, I think that consistency is everything. I do have a class that goes into great detail about this that we'll talk about more at the end of the show. But some of the tips that I have are Consistency is key. If you go into a Target in your local city and, uh, you know, the shopping center Target, um, you go into one in your city, you go into one on the other side of the country, and you could easily forget what city you're in because Target looks exactly the same no matter where you go. And that is because branding is very important and it's very, it's important to make it consistent mm -hmm. uh, from one show to the next because that is how you're going to build trust within the community and be recognizable. Okay. So whatever you do, do it the same every time. So one of my tips, and I'm 
sure you agree with this, is that it's very open and inviting rather than having like a wall and a table and you stand behind it and try to get people's attention as they're flying by. What I see in your setup is that it makes you want to step in and and really get up close and look at the art. I think that probably the main thing that gives it that feeling is the tables that we have. We have cocktail tables that are 42 inches high, I think. So they're standing height tables and they are only about 36 inches in diameter. So they're not huge, but they don't take up a lot of space and they encourage people to walk up to them. And they're also round. So they're not creating any kind of barrier in the booth. A couple, maybe it was a week ago, you posted a before and after your first one mm-hmm. when you were doing your art shows. And the difference to me was that what you had were lots of big art and not, I don't know if you even do any, show any smalls at all. Yeah, one of my biggest pet peeves about other people's booths <laughs> is that it's so cluttered and there's just so many small things. It's like you do not need to show people everything that you can do. I think that the feeling is for people that, well, I have to bring this one. It shows how I can go outside. I have to bring this one. It shows how I can have multiple people. You know, you don't have to do that. You have to have one amazing picture. That's it. And when you say you have lots, it's like, yes, I have lots. The smallest size is a 24 by 24. Um, and there's lots because it's a 20 foot wide booth. It's huge. I suggest people have one really big one, maybe two medium. And if they want to show some variety, you can have a nice book that sits on a table that someone could page through. But that's enough. We don't have to decorate and we don't have to show every product. And it's just that memorability, that wow factor. One of my friends has done home shows going back decades. And he set it up like a living room. So he had a fireplace. He got a, a, a small couch from a furniture store that would loan it to him. And then he'd put a little sign up, you know, furniture by so-and-so. And he had like a 30-40 over the fireplace. He would always rent a corner. And then he had a 40 by 80 above the couch or something like that. And then one large portrait on the corner on a beautiful easel, all of them framed, big, thick, crusty frames, no mats, no glass, so that there's no glare and there's no wasting space with the mat. And I think he had a little coffee table, so if someone wanted to sit and chat with him, there might have been something. But you can tell, I know exactly how it looked, and he hasn't done it. He quit photography many years ago, but it was really powerful. And he, that was how he marketed and he was very successful. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. And I love, I would love to set my booth up like that. The only reason that I don't is because I do 13 shows a year and I don't want to bring a couch with me. Otherwise I totally would do that. One suggestion that I have is go into the 
nicest, most high-end art gallery that you have close to you and see how an art gallery is designed. And the emphasis is on the art and it's not full of a lot of clutter and other things that aren't necessary. So I think that if you try to design your booth like an art gallery is designed, that you can't go wrong. Do do you know about the Laguna Art Festival? No. So in Laguna, California, they have this summer festival and there are three different locations across the street from each other. And one is a craft place where all the hippies, you know, it's got sawdust and it's like Burning Man (laughs) on uh, the, you know, artists from Burning Man and it's got a dimension. And then there's a tent that has the 10 by 10 booths inside. And then there's this beautiful space that's it's outdoors, but it's, it's enclosed and the artists are juried in. And each artist gets a wall that's maybe 12 feet, might even be a little bigger, but we'll sell 12 feet. And then it's, it's about, I don't know, five feet tall instead of a little white booth. So, and, and there's this thing called Pageant of the Masters. That's a show where they recreate famous art live so there's humans in it it's really cool wow that sounds amazing and so when you go to the show you mingle in this space where there's these juried artists and each one of them has such a strong brand they use the same color frames they use the upscale logo design they don't have a lot of little things Sometimes there might be a photographer who does black and white and color. And so they'll put on the right, they'll have the black and white with a certain frame and the left, they'll have the color. When you go across the street to the 10 by 10 booths, it feels like these photographers and painters and other artists are not as good. But if you really look at the art, they are equally excellent. It is just the presentation. So what you're saying is something I think people can use in their studios. You know, less is more. Simplicity breeds elegance. And you've done such a great job with that. And I know you're a shining star for people and that you're, you're mentoring and providing leadership in our industry on, on how to have a big dream and go for it. Well, Lucy, I learned the entire structure of my business from you. And you were the one who told me that I needed to charge hundreds and hundreds of dollars for my prints. Let's say, for example, a 16 by 20 that I think you had me charging like 350 for that in the very, very beginning. And it took me quite a long time to wrap my head around charging hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a print um, or, you know, $1,200 for an album. When I used to buy an album off uh, the internet, like mypublisher.com or something like that as a consumer for $50. So it was a, a very difficult thing for me because I didn't grow up in a household where we spent on luxury items. And um, so I had to figure that out. And I tried to understand uh, the difference. I I went on a competitor's website 
there is a studio that's pretty close to me and they charge, for example, $45 for a 16 by 20 print. And I charge now, now I charge $650 for a 16 by 20 print. And so I'm like, okay, so let's break this down. What is really the difference? And I went to their studio so I could feel it for myself. I could, I guess that that really says everything, right? I could feel it for myself and I could see it for myself. And it was night and day. I'm not going to say anything about their studio, but I will tell you about mine. And my studio is decorated very nicely. We pay a lot of attention to detail to making sure that it's clean and picked up and it's comfortable for our guests. It's private for each client. We pay a high attention to detail to our customer service on every step of the entire experience and the quality of our work um, as far as not having flat lighting, but having more um, advanced lighting techniques and stuff like that. And so just the, the service and the quality and everything that we provide that goes into it. So I encourage you, to, it's just the same as the difference of going into a Target or going into a Louis Vuitton store at the highest end mall that you have around. That's the difference with the branding and also the display at the trade shows. You should always have the biggest, most beautiful, most amazing booth. And you want it to be better than any of the other booths that are there. And you want to make it so that if somebody tells you, oh yeah, I went to that show, but I didn't see your booth, that you know they're lying. <laughs> I like that. So. I love that story, by the way, and I love how you've like day after day, month after month, challenged your beliefs about your value. And it makes my heart super happy that you just said, "Hen, yes." And I charge six fifty for a sixteen by twenty, and and I hear the confidence in that. I love that. When I did uh, wedding shows, I brought. So I set it up like a little living room, not as elaborate as my friend that I told you about. Uh, this was probably 10 years before I met him. But I changed the background color. I put my own drapes. I had um, really nice Frenchy looking easels. I had a little wicker, like a love seat, and another chair and a little tabletop and a stand for albums and a carpet that all went, my colors at the time were kind of a peachy and beige and uh, sage green. I still will have people who remember my booth and I haven't had a booth in 25 years. And because it was so strongly branded and comfortable and I would invite people to come sit when they were tired, I would walk around and meet the vendors, other vendors introduce myself and, you know, say, I know you're, I know you're going to want to sit for a while and I've got a place to sit, come by my booth and um, hang out when you want to take a break. And I know, you know, it, it makes me feel really great that some people still remember that. So. Wow. That's amazing. And I think that one of the reasons that my booth ended up becoming as nice as it is, and my shows have been as successful as they are, is because I started in the art show world and mm -hmm. not going into it straight as a business and going into vendor events as a vendor. 
because I started in the art show world, I viewed my work as art. And I viewed people who hired me as being a commissioned artist. And I think that that has really made a huge difference. And it also made a huge difference in my booth. Totally. So I know if people want to Facebook friend you, you frequently will post pictures if they want to see what you're talking about. So can you tell me where you get your drive to succeed and the courage to take big risks? Because it's not just the learning from me. And I know you are constantly learning from everybody and everything you can, but it takes it takes courage and it takes drive to just keep waking up, showing up, doing what it takes to make this work. Do you know where that came from? Oh, that's such a big question. <laughs> or maybe how you conquer the fears. Um, so earlier this year, I had a baby. Her name is Olivia, and I had her in April. And that was a surprise. And for the first time since... I got a camera, I had lost a little bit of that drive. And so before I could shoot three portraits on Friday, wake up, do a two day show, set up, tear down, bring the leads back Monday, call them all day long, do consultations throughout the week and work nonstop and not take days off and to work 10 hour days. And I would just keep going. 2018 was all like that the entire year. And so 2019, I had big plans for increasing my sales by another 160%. And then along came a pregnancy that was going to take me out of work for three months or so, um, or at least, you know, can't work as hard as I was before, to say the least. Um, and so that, you know, that has been something that has been really difficult to, to go through. Um, and she's adorable. I mean, she's the best, cutest, little, beautiful, healthy baby. I'm very happy to have her, of course. And, but I have noticed that the drive is back and I wake up thinking about this. And when I lay my head down at night, it's the last thing I'm thinking about. And I think about it nonstop through the day. I'm always making to-do list items. I'm always trying to improve my marketing. And really what I'm looking and thinking about is marketing. I am not thinking about new techniques I can use in the studio. I market all the time. And the drive though, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think something that might be impact that might've been impactful on me is I read once that Something that many very, very successful people have in common is that they say the key to their success is persistence. And the fact that they just did not give up when it got hard. And many times in my short career so far, I did not want to keep going. Many times I have even thought, wouldn't it be easier if I just got a job? Or I don't know if I'm going to make it. I mean, shoot, I just looked at all my bank accounts right now thinking about how rent is coming up and I have a tendency to do the sky is falling, right, Lucy? Don't I? Like if I paid all my bills for next month and I don't get another single sale, that's it. We're out of business. I don't know why I think like that because (laughs) it's not like we're never not going to have any more sales, but that's what I think about. Mm -hmm. And so what I do when 
I feel like I don't want to keep going is I just show up. That's it. I just keep showing up Mm -hmm. and somehow that works. (laughs) Like Dory. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. But I think it's the passion. Yes. You know, it's, it's the passion. And I get really excited seeing progress being made. When I hired Shelby recently and she makes the calls, you know, that's such a vital position in my business that when it's not there, we really struggle. But when she is there making the calls, we really, really thrive. And when I hired her, that it also helped me to have my, my drive come back. And I would just say that emotions follow actions. Don't wait for the emotions before you take the action because it is actions that cause emotions to happen first. So if you do the action, then the emotion will follow. Let's say you're in a fight with your spouse and you don't feel like you love them at all and you're really mad and you hate them, right? Not that I have personal experience with this. No, never. (laughs) um, Right. So, and you just don't feel it. Well, if you initiate the conversation and you take an action towards resolving the issue, and then let's say you even force yourself to do something nice for them, then that feeling, that love and feeling, you know that one, right? Lucy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can sing it. <laughs> Actually, the first concert I ever went to was the Righteous Brothers. Okay. saying that love and feeling. So yeah. That- it's a great song. A little. Um, so anyway, so that's it. So for me, you know, that drive, sometimes I don't feel it at all. Sometimes I just want to not keep going because it's hard. I have five kids in my house. My husband took 17, two to three week trips in a three year period of time while I was growing my business from nothing to $240,000 a year. And I have gone through a lot physically, emotionally, and then having that baby was so difficult and sometimes I don't have it. Sometimes I'm like, I'm tired, you know, but, or I'm, it's hard or people just keep canceling. I have consultations. Like we just scheduled 16 consultations this week. We scheduled 16 last week. We scheduled 16 too. out of those 32 people. A number of them are going to change their minds and give us some ridiculous excuse yeah. why they can't come in. Yeah. Um, and average. it is. And when you go through that a lot and you have people come in who don't value you and you have people come in who get the free eight by 10 and you get the people who cancel and the people who lie straight to your face. And then your bank account is lower than you want it to be. And you're tired and your kids are fighting you. Then yeah, it's hard to keep going, but you know, you do some action you do like hire that person that makes the calls and you, you start seeing the results of that action that you took. Then the feeling follows that. Yes. I love how from the start you got help rather than when I can afford it, I'll hire a nanny or when I can afford it that you've all the way along not been like, I need to do all of this myself. Well, I think you're asking about that risk aversion or not having risk aversion that you were asking about before. And I don't, not really sure if you can, I mean, anybody can develop anything, but I don't know if you have to kind of be born with risk aversion or not. I think sometimes when we 
when we take a risk, like for example, when I first hired my first coach and it was a significant investment, and then I saw how it helped my bank account as well as my well-being. And honestly, I had a client after I made that decision to do that. I had a client show up and spend exactly the amount I just invested for coaching. So over time, as I have taken risks, like they may be quick rewards, they may take longer to unfold, but there's a certain yin and yang, a certain trust and, you know, foolish risks. I'm not, I'm not big on that, but the calculated risks. So we're almost out of time. So Erin, how can we get in touch with you? I would invite you to go to my website, which is boniapetstudio.com. And bonia is B-O-N-I-L-L-A, boniapetstudio.com. I am starting a Kickstarter campaign that will start the end of October. So you probably will already have access to it at this point. I would really love it if you would check it out. Um, The Kickstarter campaign can be found, a link on my website on the homepage, or you can go to Kickstarter and search for Bonilla Pet Studio, a portrait studio designed for pets. So I know that on that Kickstarter campaign, you have something that is a bonus that my listeners might find really valuable if they've enjoyed this show. So what would that be? Yeah. So one of the rewards on my Kickstarter campaign is a business class on trade shows and events that I taught. It's very detailed. It is selling for a hundred dollars. Regular price is $300 for that course. It's nearly an hour of instruction and also um, handout PDF file with a lot of resources in it for how from start to finish from nothing to having a successful show, everything that you need to know from tent selection to the right kind of shoes to wear to a show. So everything that you could think of is in there. That sounds like a deal to me. (laughs) So before I think our amazing guest, I want to remind you to stay tuned for the wrap up. So Erin, this has been so delightful and you know how proud I am of you. And I want to just thank you times 10, 20, 30 for, for taking the time to let people know how they can create the success they're dreaming of in their industry. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, Lucy. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for being so awesome and your heart for helping people and seeing them succeed. You are a blessing to lots of people. Thank you. I heart you too. (laughs) All right. Okay. So here is the wrap up and some of the takeaways from today's conversation. One thing that she touched on that I want to elaborate a little is the importance of a niche, especially something that you love that you would do for free. Yes, you can be a generalist. I find it's harder to grow fast if you're doing a little bit of everything. I love children. And so when I quit weddings, which I also used to love, and built a children's photography business, my business specialty grew so fast. And especially 
was a time when kids photography was not considered fine art and I approached it that way. Erin also talked about the importance of setting up a booth if you're going to do that where first of all it's your ideal target market so not just any event but you want to research and find out who attends that and setting up your booth where it's consistent and inviting and that you you brand it we did an exercise where we explored colors it's a it's a craft project i'm going to talk about it another in another episode about branding but she consistently has those colors everywhere and her booth looks the same you know every time and is memorable and she also shared with us what helps her succeed and have courage and she is somebody that is just all in with marketing gets up in the morning and thinks about it goes to bed at night thinking about it so you know, for her, who has many other obligations, she still keeps her business in mind and she doesn't make excuses. That's what I appreciate about her. So I know you have big dreams and I would love to support you in those. So please go to theprofitablephotog.com. Send me an email to lucy at lucydumas.com and join my Facebook group and like my page and I will be your friend forever. <laughs> That's it for today. Have an amazing week. Bye now. You have been listening to the Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.